Mano a Mano is a retrospective movie show for adults only, educational, satirical, transgressive. It's just entertainment. We'll not out to offend, but at the end of the day, Frank Zappa said it best. You either get it or you don't. Roll the tape. <laughs> welcome, welcome everybody to your podcast within a podcast within a podcast. This is Mano Armano. I am Jonathan Astro, and with me is the glistening, rippling bodies of Ricky Orpike and Yuri. How are we, gentlemen? Good, thanks. I feel like flexing some muscles. I, I, I would like to flex some muscles, but I've not exercised for a very long time. So I think I'd probably hurt myself trying to do it. Well, Tom Cruise has proved that, you know, age is no barrier. That's so you right. Also, but you also need millions of dollars and like probably to drink the blood of virgins and whatever the fuck else <laughs> No, nah, it's all the Scientology. That's what keeps hey, him young. Don't, I don't need any more encouragement. You know I'm inches away from joining. <laughs> Are your thetans acting up or something? <laughs> I just have always, I've always respected them, and I don't, you know, I know that's not, a, I know it's not a popular thing to say. So anyway, tonight uh, we are covering Heat from 1995. I, I'm, 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 I'm pumped. So, well, I mean, what we, we obviously all seen this movie. This, uh, this is actually the second time I've seen it. So, mm-hmm. so it's pretty fresh. Uh, I'm pretty sure you, you guys have seen it more. Oh, I've, I've seen it. Well, I mean, I. I like last week when you said the quote, before you'd even finished the quote, I was, uh, you know, already giddy. Like I knew <laughs> who was saying it, the scene, his inflections, where he paused, you know, size yes. more and, you know. Um, yeah. yeah, it's it's a movie, you know, I own on DVD and then I also bought the Blu-ray. And if I'd seen the 4K Blu-ray last time I was at JB, I probably would have bought that too. Right up there with one of my favourites. Now, do, do you do you own some sort of director's cut special edition? Because I believe that that does exist. Oh, I don't actually know. Um, well, I think I think there's a yeah. I don't know. I I've, I I think there's a, a definitive version. I feel like I watched that. But then again, I don't I don't think there's there's they've ever added scenes to this. It's already two hours and fifty. Yeah, minutes. it's pretty long. Yeah, and it's already pretty excellent. And it, and it kind of seems like. Michael Mann didn't have any barriers the first time around. It, it seems yeah, like he would have right. made the movie he wanted to make the first time. So yeah, yeah. well, yeah, I, I guess it's not it's not like a Blade Runner where it uh, it really wasn't the vision of the director coming out. You know, th- th- then then you could release a, a director's cut and it would make uh, a little bit more of an impact. Whereas this, I feel like. You know, he's had. This is the this is the movie. This is the movie. Yeah, this is the movie <laughs> he wanted right. to make that he made, and you know, it's already almost a second go because he did a version of it as a telly movie, didn't he? Correct. That's LA true. Takedown. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so there's a, we can perhaps get into some of this. Perhaps I remind you about the story uh, before we go a little bit further. making moves on the street, have no attachments, allow nothing to be in your life that you cannot walk out on in 30 seconds flat if you spot the heat around the corner. You 
in the city of Los Angeles. Recognize the MO? MO is that they're good. If you think these guys are scoring more than passing through, I doubt it. A relentless police detective is on the trail. What do we got? Of a master thief. You're fugitive number one with a bullet. It's double the risk here. You're wrong. It's four times the risk, and I'm double the worst trouble you ever had. Clear! And his reckless partner. The bank is worth the risk. We should take it down. I want full surveillance, 24 hours, round the clock. We never close open seven days a week. Assume they got our phones, assume they got our houses, assume they got us. Bam, bye-bye. They get more daring with every score. What's the estimate? 12.2 million. You're up. But one cop. He's here. I can feel it. Is closing in. Whatever score they're going to take next, they're going to have the surprise of a lifetime. Now, for the first time, Academy Award winner Al Pacino and Academy Award winner Robert De Niro collide. If I'm there and I gotta put you away, I'll tell you, you are going down. What if you do got me boxed in and I gotta put you down? Because no matter what, you will not get in my way. I will not hesitate for a second. Al Pacino, Robert De Niro, Val Kilmer in a Michael Mann film Heat. The story follows the existential cat and mouse game between a dedicated and professional thief, Neil McCauley, played by Robert De Niro, and a dedicated and professional cop, Vincent Hanna, played by Al Pacino. We meet Neil and his crew, Chris, played by Val Kilmer, Michael, Tom Sizemore, and newcomer Wayne Grow, as they pull off a daring and spectacular daylight robbery. They managed to get the bearer bonds they came for. <laughs> Someone needs to tell me what they are uh, at some point. I, I, I remind myself every few years, but I forget. Anyway, uh, they get these bearer bonds, but the new guy, Wayne Grove, flips and kills one of the guards, forcing Neil's crew to kill the other two guards. So they're now uh, on a murder charge as well as robbery. Uh, they escape clean, and so begins the dogged investigation of Vincent Hanna. To tie up loose ends, Neil attempts to kill Wayne Grove for screwing up the job, but he escapes. Next, Neil's fence, played by an unrecognisable John Voight, suggests they try to sell the bonds back to the guy they stole them from, Roger Van Zant. Uh, Roger Van Zant agrees, but double-crosses the crew and sends assassins to the exchange. Neil's crew kill the hitmen and vow to kill Van Zant in revenge. But it's not all blood and bullets. Neil has met a nice young girl at a bookstore, Edie, played by Amy Brenneman, and they are now going steady. Meanwhile, an informant has given Vincent a lead on Neil's crew, and they, that, uh, the LAPD that is, begin comp- comprehensive surveillance of, of each of the uh, the men as they prefer, prepare for their next job. On the night of the next robbery a of a, pre- of a precious metals depository, Vincent uh, and a swarm of cops are poised to catch the thieves at the moment they finish the job. A foolish fellow cop makes a noise with his water bottle or something, and Neil is alerted and calls off the job. So Neil, Chris, and Michael agree to one last mammoth bank heist for 12 or so million dollars, and they go to work. Vincent takes a desperate measure and tracks down Neil for, for a one-on-one at a coffee shop. The men connect, and Vincent tells Neil to walk away, but he refuses. The men share a mutual admiration and resolve to put the other one down if they have to. So Wayne Grow uh, makes a deal with the terrified Van Zandt, uh, to help him bring down Neil's crew. 
Uh, one of their usual guys, uh, that's Neil's usual guys, Treyo, played by Danny Treyo, <laughs> drops out at the last minute, claiming he has been made by the cops. So Neil recruits an old colleague, Don Breeden, uh, Dennis Haysbert, to be his new wheelman, uh, last-minute wheelman at, the, at this big bank job. So the crew are ambushed by the cops uh, at the job, which sees Chris injured, Michael killed, along with many civilians and cops. Neil escapes and has a doctor patch up Chris while he goes to Treyo's house, thinking he was the one who betrayed him to the cops. He finds Treyo half-dead and tells Neil it was Wayne Grow who tortured him on behalf of Van Zandt. By request, Neil Mercy kills Treo and then tracks down Van Zandt uh, and at his home and blows him away also. So poor Edie, Amy Brenneman, discovers that Neil is not a salesman and Neil makes his pitch to her. Run away and start afresh together or walk away uh, right now alone. She decides to go with him and Nate the Fence gets a new escape plan and documents uh, for Neil and also tells him that Wayne Grow is staying at a hotel at the airport uh, but he's confident that Neil won't go and uh, kill him in revenge. He's wrong and Neil and Edie are basically home free but he decides at the last minute to go and kill Wayne Grow at the, at the, at the airport hotel. Vincent picks up Neil's trail and heads to heads there too. Neil kills Wayne Grow and rejoins Edie downstairs, but he spots Vincent and is forced to leave her behind. He flees and Vincent chases him. The men stalk each other in the back lots of the airport and it culminates with Vincent's shadow being cast by the lights of the runway, which gives Vincent the edge and he shoots the man down. And the film ends with Vincent holding Neil's hand as he dies. Cue Moby. So that's the film. It's a lot, eh? It's a lot, a lot happens. Yeah, no, there is a lot, but um, I left the, I left the whole bunch out. You did, yeah. yeah. I left a lot. I left no Natalie Portman in that. I didn't even mention uh, Vincent's wife or Vincent Vincent's wife's um, new man, mm. Hank Azaria. Yeah, Hank Azaria, Ashley Judd. I didn't mention them. You didn't mention the um, the the um, Vincent Snitches. No, that's with, the, uh, with the Porsche <laughs> Chop Shop. Yeah. It's um. Yeah. Yes. Henry so Rollins didn't mention him. Rollins. So all these character actors. Yeah. Like, you know, I've said this on many podcasts, but I, I just people never never talk about this. Like, maybe I'm crazy, but I'm confident you would never get. Uh, you're never going to get this level of performer all in one film. I've said it about. You know, you think about JFK. You think about this or Basic Instinct. You, you've got the, the the. You always have these this 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 mega talent at the top. And then you've got um, the second and third string are just these epic character actors who would all be having their own shows they would, now. Yeah, they would never be in the same movie like mm. this. I mean, Ashley Judd is just like, you know, she's an afterthought. Yeah, she's an afterthought, and I don't think they're happy about that. But you know, it's good. It's good. It's well, it, someone's. It's there are no small parts, Ashley. It's such an epic movie in every sense of the word. And a big part of that is budget. And it's just, I miss it so much to have this scale of film where just everything about it is at the top tier and it's for adults. Yeah. $60 million. It, it, grossed, it grossed $187 million. I mean, it actually feels like it was a lot more than $60 million. Well, $60 million, $1995. I don't know what that would be mm. today. The, but. It is a... But apart from... The shootouts, you know, it really is again just people in rooms talking. Mm. Yeah, 
to a certain degree. And that that's what we miss. Well, I mean, look, I'm glad you've gone straight for the meat of it because I was struck by, yeah, I, and I don't want to, you know, I'm trying to be upbeat and everything, but I, 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 it was a slightly downbeat watch because I, I and I said it, I think I even just said at one point to Katie, I said something like, I miss the 90s so much. And, yeah. and she was like, why? And I was like, well, it was hard to put my finger on it. But yeah, it's the scale. It's it's that it, this is for adults. And I pinpointed it. So here's a good comparison for you. So yeah, 60 million made 187 or whatever. Um, compare that to Avengers Infinity War, which was made uh, for 330 to 400 million box office 2 billion or something. <laughs> so, you know, but, but look at this. Here's the difference. Avengers Infinity War. Directed by Anthony Russo and Joe Russo. Screenplay by Christopher Marcus, Stephen McFeely. Based on The Avengers by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. Produced by Kevin Feige. Compare that to Heat. Heat. Directed by Michael Mann. Written by Michael Mann. Produced by Michael Mann. And Art Linson, who, who I want to talk about now. But Art Linson is the difference. So Art Linson, producer, a straight producer right of adult movies the movies you you just you you i know you miss all right um he he was had a hand in as a producer on fast times original high uh the untouchables even a weird film like scrooge casualties of war with uh, michael j fox and 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 sean penn dick tracy singles point of no return heat fight club is the big one i always think of when i think about linson so he's the sort of guy and i've read his book actually he wrote a book about one of these books about how hollywood sucks and he is he is the guy like the, who who you know said Michael Mann you got to make this read the script and said you got to make this as as a film and and what we're missing now is all of this we're missing this mid range budget so sixty million because if if you have to make if it, if it's made for four hundred million the the it needs to be a surefire you know well firstly it's got to make two billion so you can't make all of the movies that we that we love from not that long ago really. You can't really make anymore. You can't make Jarhead, There Will Be Blood, any of this stuff. You can't, Fight Club, you can't make any of it because that budget level's gone. So it's got to be 400 million. It, it's also got to be, it's also got to be based on an established thing that, that has an established yes. audience. So, And it's got to appeal to foreign audiences. So you have to dumb it down so things translate via subtitles and also the distraction that comes with reading subtitles while other things are happening on the screen so all of, i agree with all of that and so i was struck by everything in this movie i was like i was like i missed all the all of those actors at the height of their powers i missed the adult themes that the the complexity of the of the of the story of the of the uh you know the the, the narrative concerns i mean you know did you get the same i mean i, I could we could say this about every fucking movie we review but did you feel that the narrative concerns were were beyond the pale even again? Do you know what I mean? Like, do you think that this movie, any version of this movie would, could be made today? Absolutely not. Yeah. Well, it, it, it concerns itself very much with, 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 with a male world, doesn't it? Like, yeah, It's know. about men. Yeah. Yes. Well, that was... I, I felt that... I felt the testosterone oozing off the screen i was just like oh wow i was like this is almost exclusively about men you know and uh that you know you could say well you know cops a lot of them are men or or 
uh, and they are boys' clubs for sure. Yeah, and prisons are certainly filled with a, a lot of men. Criminals are almost all men. <laughs> 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 all the ones that you should be really scared of are men. Yeah. I, I, I have to I have to bring my wife Valentina into this. So she'd never seen Heat before. Uh, we watched it together, and she like her quote was, "It was enthralling." Wow! And even though it, it starts with like a huge set piece of that first heist that they do, and then there's like the huge bank shootout in the middle, and there's the huge shootout at the end. There's like these giant action set pieces. She mainly remembers the dialogue scenes. She was mainly interested in the dialogue scenes. And even though it's about men and all about men, she was, yeah, again, her, her, her quote was enthralled by it. And we talked about it for like way too long afterwards. And it was, you know, talked late into the night past, well past when we should have just gotten to fucking bed because, you know, we had to get up in the morning and get our toddler to daycare and go to work and all this other shit. <laughs> <laughs> but she was so like g'd up from watching this movie so even though it's entirely about men mm. my wife who is i mean not a modern day feminist but a proper feminist absolutely fucking loved it so there's right. there's you know and she fucking hated oceans eight as much as i did so it's it's like mm. all that bullshit doesn't apply you make you make an amazing movie and it, and it this movie wasn't offensive to women. Like there was still, you know, like you um, that. H Hannah's wife and um, Val Kilmer's wife. They're not weak characters. They're just not what the story is predominantly about. Yeah, but they're not CEOs, mm. and they're and they're not president. No, but they don't have and to. And they're be. not kicking butt. They're not kicking butt. They're not. They're not. <laughs> can I tell you that? So, so hold that for a second, because I don't know if you've seen Maverick or not, but like. The, I was talking with a friend about this, like the the scene that's not in Maverick that I expected to be in Maverick, which would be in the remake of this movie if they remade it now. It would be a scene in the bar. Maverick would be in the bar, and like he'd get into some scuffle, and then some chick that that, that, that who's who's a pilot would step in, <laughs> like when, and axe kick yes the drunks that are pushing him around. Like like she would kick their fucking ass, <laughs> and he would be. Like he'd go, whoa! What did you learn how to do that or something? He'd be all impressed. But really, what's happening in the sub the subtext is he's humiliated. <laughs> he's fucking humiliated. Like no, and you're humiliated because it's unrealistic and dreadful and stupid. And 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 the and the 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 writer, the ideological writer, is writing it and staring at you and going and smiling <laughs> and just saying, "What do you think of that? Sit in that. I want you to sit in that." Well, and and you're you're not wrong at all, because actually just a couple of hours ago, I watched I don't know why, but I clicked on the trailer for She Hulk Attorney at Law. <laughs> of course you did. And it's not it wasn't, it, a, it wasn't a teaser. It was like an extended trailer where basically, yes, yes. Um, I forgot the actor's fucking name. But Hulk. Tatiana Maslany. No, no, no. Oh, no. Um, Mark Ruffalo. I know. I know too much about She-Hulk. Yeah, you do. But anyway, so Mark Ruffalo's Hulk is actually um, kind of, I, I guess he's had something to do with creating her and he's yes. kind of mentoring her yes. through how to be a Hulk and, you know, through years of experience of dealing with this and she is kicking his ass and doing way better than he ever did and is making <laughs> yes. him look like a fucking idiot and you just go, what? Oh. 
Every time, every fucking time, really. Look, and 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 people probably listen to me say this stuff, and and all they hear when we say this is they hear that oh you misogynist, and you go no no, if you play by the rules of 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 logic, and I don't want documentaries. It's got to be dramatic, but we do use elements of reality, like, like in the way that some good games use. I guess was it you know game physics or whatever. Like you know you you, you want it to be. Uh, a little bit of verisimilitude. So th- I think we can all agree on Sicario. So in Sicario, when what's her face um, is blunt, is is cornered by or jumped by the Punisher in her in her um, apartment. Right? She goes back home with him. She's not ready for it. He's like trying to kill her. He's got her dead to rights. Yeah. It's over. Like like it's over. Like the, her uh, his upper body strength and. He's not even a he's not even a su- supremely big dude. It's just it's game over, and she she has to be saved in that particular moment by um, Benicio or, or, or Brolin or whatever because they they used her as bait. But if she did the axe kick or she you know you'd be out, you'd mm. check out, you'd say. Sicario sucks. But but do you think women realise this too? That the, the reason why they, they maybe don't like Ocean's 8 is because they, they realise it's unrealistic. Well, I don't know about Ocean's... Ocean, I think Ocean's 8 might be a bit different because that's a silly heist movie and, and arguably Ocean's 11 is a silly heist movie. So Ocean Ocean's 8, it's not a silly heist movie. What is it? It's what do they do? a boring, interminable piece of shit. Okay. <laughs> it's not even silly. It's not even fun. It's... And it's not, I don't know, it's not particularly woke. It's just fucking boring and a complete waste of some incredibly talented women. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't even a female director. It's like, if you're going to make this steaming pile of shit, at least give it to a female director as well. You know, you know, if you're not, if you don't seem to be at all concerned about, about the end, just, just, just do the tokenism all the way, get, make it an all female crew, you know, and, and give maybe some talented women uh, behind the camera as well, maybe an opportunity to do something, but it's like just mm. pointless, maybe. Mm. To bring it back to heat, I think the reason why uh, it's so good is because it's, it's couched in that, in that reality, because Michael Mann spent so long researching criminals and he spent so long with detectives and on the beat with cops that he he was able to draw all these characters and all these stories together and to create a really uh realistic scenario and then put the drama in it too by giving every single character has a rich 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 backstory you know even the even the guy that comes in as the as the driver at the last last the wheel man at the last minute you know he's got this backstory of he's trying to go straight and he's out of jail and you know he just gets tempted to to do one more one more heist you know because shit's not going well for him on the outside and you know he's got this this shitty uh shitty boss to deal with and he's being exploited because he's an ex-con and whatever you know i mean everyone's got a really rich rich story mr lanko i'm down breathing grierson my parole officer told me to come by here and said you had a job for me so you're familiar with this kind of operation huh yeah man i'm a great grill man good good for you here, you'll mop out the toilets, hit the dishwasher, bus tables, and empty the garbage, too. Give me a hard time, I'll report you loaded, drunk, or stealing, and I will violate you back so fast you have a spin. 25% of your take-home kicks back to me. Rules of the game. Paul Grierson, check it out. Change in the back. 
Well, what are you waiting for? Also, every, every, just to go, go with what you said, every location is is a something either something we haven't seen before on on screen or a, it's all hundred almost a hundred percent real locations, mm. and so you feel you feel that. Yeah, you know. Well, what I mean? the, the, like, it was like not. There were no sound stages used for this film at all. And I think uh, I think it has like close to eighty different locations. Only ten of them have been filmed before. But also, with such a long movie, everything is still so incredibly efficient. Mm. So this is actually the third movie we've reviewed that pretty much starts with silence, and it's awesome. And I think it's almost seems like it's becoming a rule where if you want a good movie, start it with a whole bunch of silence before people yes. start talking. Yeah. Yes. But the first dialogue scene is between Hannah, his wife, and his stepdaughter. And it's a very small scene, but it's so packed with all the backstory you need about all their backgrounds and the dynamic of that relationship. You get that that's his stepdaughter. You get that he's been married before. This is a second. You get that she's been married before. And so he's getting ready and his wife is constantly striving for his attention and he's kind of ignoring her a little bit. But then the stepdaughter walks in, by, played by Natalie Portman, and then she starts striving for her mum's attention and then mum's ignoring her. But Hannah is kind of giving the daughter more attention. So you get... Like you get that family dynamic and you get so much backstory. You go, okay, so he's dedicated to his job. He's kind of on his way out. He kind of, you know, doesn't want to spend too much time mucking around with his wife. But then as soon as a child comes in, he immediately kind of switches on, becomes protective. And then you get kind of that the relationship with his wife is maybe suffering a bit because she's vying for attention. It's There's so much and so much backstory just in that one little scene where it seems so damn innocuous and it's not that long but you just read so much into it and you get so much out of it even if it's not conscious it's amazing mm. Is it, was it the same in Ant-Man or yes yes it was <laughs> especially Loki <laughs> hey taking me to breakfast I can't I'm eating Bosco hey Vincent mom where are my barrettes hi sweetie I saw them on the kitchen table they're not there I already checked want me to make coffee no school today? My dad's picking me up. He's taking me to the new building and then to lunch. Try under the cushions on the sofa. He's already a half an hour late. You're gonna show her that son of a bitch gonna stand her up like last time? I'll make coffee. I'm out of time, babe. Mom, where are my barrettes? They're not on the couch. Oh, where are the blue ones? I don't want to wear the blue ones. They don't match. Did you check in your bathroom? I checked everywhere. Well, what do you want me to do? Find them. Mom, pay attention. Right, sweetie. All right. What? Daddy's going to be here. Okay, he's going to be I'm not going to be ready. I can't be late. You won't be late. No, I will be late. Okay, listen. Before Daddy comes, we can find them together. If we look together, it's all right, baby. It's all right. It's all right. It's all right. It's all right. Yes, no. Well, well, there's so many of those scenes in in this film. There's so many uh, subtle, you know, fantastic, you know, uh, scenes ruled by actors who are, are just totally zeroed in on each other. And yeah, I mean, obviously the most famous one is is 
uh, Hannah and uh, Macaulay meeting in in the cafe, which which is a great scene, you know, and and uh, I think that that's. Uh, uh, people talk about it too much, I think, maybe. Uh, I think it, it maybe all of the... I think the scene you mentioned or, or are pro- we're probably better off talking about all these other ones because, yeah, people people focus on that on the, on that cafe scene. I'm like, yeah, it's it's good. It is good. But, um, you know, it's only good because they're, they're being their characters. It's not good because it's Al Pacino and Robert De Niro. Like, it's, I mean, that's nice. That's nice. But it's, that's, you know... People make, p- people make pilgrimages to that to that restaurant to sit at the table where that scene took place. You know, I think that's that's a bit silly. Well, I did that with When Harry Met Sally. I went to the When Harry Met Sally diner. I went to the Seinfeld diner as well in, in New York, did it all. Mm. And with the When Harry Met Sally one, you got to wait forever. Really? And the food's expensive, well, comparatively, and it was just like they were fucking rude. And, do people do the orgasm? And, uh, I'm sure they... No, I don't know. Not when I was there. <laughs> I mean... You didn't do it? New York's not a very... Um, very well, warm and welcoming place. I mean, there's, like, there's guys who, like, you, mind you, you're waiting in line to go to the basketball, and there's a guy having a full mental breakdown, like, like, in the, next to you on the street. So that's normal, and everyone ignores him. But if you did the, the orgasm thing, I don't think people would be. Into it. But, uh, again, just to bring it back to heat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that, look, I, I don't disagree that that scene is amazing, because it is. But the thing is, is that every fucking scene is amazing like mm. every single one well wh- why not talk about this scene with the ci the, with the, the informant i mean that everything that is legendary like all the stuff he says to the guy when he says like in both of those scenes when he says um you know uh give me all you got yeah <laughs> give me all you got I mean, he does all that did, or when did, he goes did like, you fall in love i could did you fall in love, in love. Did you fall? Did you brother, fall in love? I heard your brother. Is he here? And he looks under the table. Is he here? Yeah, yeah. Is that here? Is he? <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. All of that is the legendary. And 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 in the the one later, you know. Oh no, no. Actually, the singing man. Like he'll yeah. He'll probably leave a note on the yeah. door. Yeah. That one. Yep. I mean, fucking hell. His performance. Al Pacino's performance. Well, now now he only does that though. All he does is just shout and do mad shit, right? Yeah, Sin of a Woman was the turn. It was. Because that's when they finally gave him his Oscar, and he went, oh, so I guess this is what you fucking like. All right, then. I'm going to give it to you every single time. Shit, Albert. Listen, man, what what you doing coming in for, man? You crazy? This ain't Disneyland, man. You were supposed to get back to me last night. Where the fuck you been? I couldn't break free, Vincent, you know? Let's violate his ass right now. I do for you. You don't do for me. Is that it? Listen, man, I swear, I, I was out all night, man. I'm, I'm hitting like one of them flamingo matador What's guys, flamingo? man. That's got nothing to do with you me. Know, I'm, I was cutting it real smooth. I'm generating leads and shit for you. I'm a dancer, man. You, you know. Bullshit. I paged your ass all day. I can't stand fucking oh, pitch. Man, I'm man, a you speed know. freak. Jack and methamphetamine again. Oh, man, wh- wh- where's your empathy, brother? It's a substance of Empathy was yesterday. Today, you're wasting my motherfucking time. Vincent, man, look. Fall in love. Come on. Did you fall in love last night? You went off somewhere? Vincent. Just tell me that. I'll, I'll settle for it. You know what I mean? I'll buy that. V- Vincent. Give me all you got! Vincent. Give me all you got! I swear, man, my brother, man, my brother, my brother Richard's gonna talk to you. Man. I heard Richard. He gonna talk to you. Richard? Richard. Richard? He gonna meet you, man, I swear, tonight. He's not here, is he? 
No, he gonna meet you tonight. Tonight? What happened to right now? I I I employed him because I knew you was coming this a.m. That's a you bunch know. of bullshit. No, no, I swear he he said no, cause he in Phoenix. Ah, by the time this, I get this, to man, Phoenix, I swear, I swear, man, tonight's the best be I rising. can do for you. He'll probably leave a note right on the door. Tonight's the best I can do for you, man. Well, can we be big and say that this is this is the last good thing both of them did, really? I mean, do we need to muck around or not? Maybe the last great thing they both did. Yeah, I mean, great, yeah. truly great. Mm, yeah, where you go, yeah, yeah, fantastic. You know, whereas um, you know, everything, almost everything afterwards, has been a, has been a disappointment. I mean, you can make excuses and say, oh, insomnia is all right. You go, yeah, it's all right, but it's not hate, is it? Not, not, not you know? meet the fuckers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Rocky and Bullwinkle. Um, <laughs> this is them at their prime. Like yeah. I, th- I think this is their absolute prime. I think that's why that 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 uh, that restaurant scene people just go nuts about because it is two guys who who are now who were legendary then but but even bigger now and and at the top of the game you know. Actually, a little shout out to the Irishman, uh, Chino. In fact, I only mentioned the Irishman because I had I he he's basically been no good since Heat, and then when I saw the Irishman, I was like, oh wow. I was like, Al Pacino, this is Al Pacino. He's, he's good in this. This is good. So that's a little, a little side note there. I, I, still haven't, I still haven't seen it. Oh, you've got to watch it. It is good. It, uh, all right. I, I felt like it, well, because it is long, it's a big time commitment. I thought it might break my fucking heart. Um, I think about it every now and then. It's good. So anyway, I know it's off track, but it does feature both of these fucking actors and they're both, you know, but just watching that doco, right? There's a fantastic doco that everyone... I'd seen it before, the, the making of Heat's on YouTube. Everyone should watch it. Maybe we'll put it in the show notes. But just seeing them all, even a few years later, talking about like like De Niro, I was just like, he looked fucking beautiful, even in the doco. Mm. I was just like, oh, wow, like powerful and cool. And, and and I was struck in that in that doco seeing Al Pacino speak and, and, and he's got such a quiet demeanor, you know. He's, he didn't shout. He didn't shout. <laughs> yeah. Well, th- that's the thing. That there's there's quiet Pacino, then there's loud Pacino. There's nothing and in between. And this movie was both. <laughs> it was. So it was, it, it was before he kind of became loud Pacino. Yes. But he was being loud when when it kind of needed it. And, I mean, I don't know if I, um, Ricky, I'm stepping on your trivia, but apparently he has since come out and confirmed that he was playing uh, Hannah like he was on coke. That's true. Yeah, I think it was in, in in an early version of the script, or maybe it was still in the script, but they didn't 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 use that. Um, but yeah, he was supposed to be. But but uh, that explains these kind of big, yeah. loud yeah. kind of outbursts mm. of you know way too much energy. But but also it's a tactic to keep uh, keep the informants on their toes, you know, so that they'd never quite know what's going to happen, where they stand with him mm. as well, I think. He doesn't do it to his wife. He doesn't do <laughs> yeah. it to his, no. you know. Stepdaughter. He's mad. He says mad shit. Like, it is a, it is a, and he's admitted this, it is a big, bold performance. And he's even a little bit mad with his, um, his colleagues. He does say mad shit, but it's all, it's usually him being pretty cool about it. Like, mm. he's like, you know, like, he's not... Um, you know, like the dramatic stuff. Like you know, what, you know, you want to know what they're looking at. Oh, I, yeah. I had that in my mind. I was, I was waiting for you to pause so I wouldn't interrupt you, and yeah. you beat me to it. <laughs> and they do it. I want you to do it. <laughs> you know what they're looking so, at? Us. 
The LAPD. LAPD. Yeah, <laughs> he does that all. His delivery. He does the most, the strangest delivery. There's the whole thing, and I think that maybe that's that's why his performance is interesting. But then again, let's let's do a what if. If he had gone the other way, like if he had gone, if he'd matched De Niro with with the subtlety, you know, would that what would that do? Would that be wouldn't good? have worked. Like there, there had to be because they're essentially two sides of the same coin, and they mm. even allude to that in that scene. In that in in the diner, like Dinner even says, there's a flip side to that coin, and that's kind of it's pretty much them. If they were exactly the same, it just wouldn't work. A refinery in a scrapyard. What the hell is going on? Well, that's what we're trying to figure out. We thought we had. Thought we had. Got an idea what they're looking at. You wanna know what they're looking at? What? I mean, is this guy something or is he something? This crew is good. You know what they're looking at? What? Us. The LAPD. Police department. We just got me. But also, can it can it makes it's brilliant though because a criminal can't afford to be flashy. And the whole point of 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 man's best criminals, like in Collateral and and this and stuff, is is it's that that every man blending in, you know, just a grey. No one knows they're there, not making a big show. Whereas Hannah is a cop. He's used to being, uh, you know, the most powerful guy in the room. They allude to him having a Marine background somewhere or it's like he's obviously a big guy in the major crimes unit. Like it makes sense. He's the, he's the big banana. You know, and so he's 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 throwing his weight around, and he's saying mad shit. He's got power; he can do it. Whereas, if Neil was doing the Pacino stuff, then that he'd be the Joker. He'd be Wayne Grow. <laughs> yeah, well, Wayne Grow. <laughs> can we talk about Wayne Grow? Wayne Grow. Wayne Gross is <laughs> the most despicable villain in the history of cinema. Everything about him, his hairline upsets me. Um, <laughs> his, yeah, his, his sort of, he's a coward yeah. uh, and and uh, and a lo- and a loser and crazy yeah. and scary. His tats are dumb. He's just casually a serial killer as well. You're stepping on my "Who's Your Daddy" segment, all right? <laughs> he he was going to be the wild card, and ba- like my notes are. I'm ready for who? I'm ready for "Who's Your Daddy." By the way, uh, there's not as much this time around. That's why I threw Wayne Grow in there. And my first note okay. was, "He's just a piece of shit." And then my last note was. He's just a piece of shit because really, he is a serial killer. He kills underaged hookers, not hookers, underaged hookers. Of color. He's also, I'm pretty sure he's a white supremacist because when uh, he goes to that bar, I'm pretty sure that's a white supremacist bar that he goes to to get kind of more work and more context. He gets his ass kicked by Macaulay. He's the one that fucks up the whole job. He rats out on his friends. He's just everything about him he is probably the only like little problem i have with the film is that i I don't think he would have got on the job 
you know, because Neil is so meticulous with his crew and how he conducts himself that, you know, I, I could see him getting on the crew in a pinch, like they really needed someone. He was the only guy that was there. But, and, and that could be the case. I mean, we don't really know that backstory, how he got onto the crew, but I just think he's too much of a loose cannon. You know, He was recommended by Treo, which mm. I don't know if it's made explicit in the movie, but after watching it so many fucking times... So that's why Winegrow knows to go to Treo. So he definitely didn't know Neil before. Right. He obviously never met Sizemore before because he introduced himself when he jumped in the truck. Mm. I've got a feeling that he might mention Treo's name in that very opening scene, but I'm pretty sure because within the main crew, Treo is actually still the weak link. And if anyone had a friend like Winegrow or knew someone like Winegrow from being inside, it would have been Treo. Winegrow is a scumbag from the first minute we meet him. He wants a refill on his coffee that, oh, like, from like, the night before. And, or whatever. And then, then they say, no, he wants a refill or whatever. Like, mm. like, they're like, so he's been, you know, bugging him. He gets in with Torito. He doesn't even take the refill. Long. He doesn't even take it, which I hate that he doesn't take it. And then he gets in with Torito and <laughs> starts needling him straight away and to the point where he's like, stop talking. And, and he gives him like this pathetic little stare and it's just like you just go man this guy is he's no good you guys always work together all the time real tight crew huh real tight yeah this works good i'd consider going again you know yeah stop talking okay Slate. so he's he's the guy that um Macaulay isn't again yes. going back to that famous scene he says do you see me doing you know cowboy liquor store holdups with a born to lose tattoo on my head mm. he's talking about Wayne Grow. Wayne Grow even says in that bar scene he's saying I'm a cowboy looking for anything heavy yes he is like the antithesis of Macaulay yeah that's true that is true and and look it's brilliant because the the criminal world it would you know obviously have a lot of wine grows in it like like it, it, it's it is that you have to remember this film is focusing on on not your average bear mm. both of these guys are titans uh for for obvious reasons because we, we you know they, they want to lift it to talk about different things but like a like a high-end thief mm. and a major crimes guy like like this is you know, at the top, but think of all of those levels below, and all the all the pathetic stuff that, all the, and just the screw ups and the and the drug addiction, and and look, well, even Chris, right? So Chris Val Kilmer's character is like, you know, he's proficient, and he's well, more than that, he's 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 a down guy, and you and you can rely on him mostly. However, he's he's a loose cannon as well. He's got a gambling problem. Um, you know, his house isn't in order. He, you know, it's he, uh, he's got a strange. Um, yeah, I, I mean, just a so he, even he has these um uh, foibles, or or rather, you know, these down these downsides. It's only Neil that's you know. Yeah, it's only Neil that's bulletproof, and and yeah, Sizemore, he's he's all about the juice as well. Yes, mm. and flashy as well, buying dumb stuff like big dumb stuff. Like, yeah. Well, he bought keep the big ring right that he got his wife. Yeah. Yeah, is that her? Uh, her watching the TV at the end when, when um so with the wheelman's wife sees I think it is yeah know, him yeah it is but I think it might be Sizemore's yep wife yeah, yeah it yes. is yeah okay yeah. all right yep 
Well, Neil Neil has that code, you know, that he talks about, and 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 I think he's the only one that that really sticks to it, you know. Yeah. Except mm. except he does betray that code at the very end because he goes back to to kill Wangrove. Well, kind of yes and no. So he he goes back to kill Wangrove because he doesn't let it go, but then he leaves Brenneman there. So he literally sees the heat coming around the corner, and he looks That's at right, yeah. he looks at Vincent, he looks at her, and then he walks away. No, but he. This now we're talking about this is the good stuff because he got involved with something he couldn't walk away from in 30 seconds. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, he could it, like, that's the problem. But that's the thing. So, now we're talking about was that her or was that revenge on Wangro? Well, it was her because because if she wasn't there, if he didn't get involved with her, then he could still have, let's just say, everything else played out. He could still have gotten revenge and then just left. He wouldn't have had to, you know have any other entanglements no i mean i'm not sure because i mean he just walked out and then uh vincent was right there and it almost seemed like that's the entrance and exit he would have taken anyway so whether or not she was in the car or not but then again he would have already been no go further back he would have he would have been at nate's house dropping chris off and then he would have gone on to wherever the next thing is he would have either gone no no no, because he needed a new out anyway though he did because his old out was fucked so he had to wait for that but then he would have got that. So we're talking. So really, I, I, I still think he would have gone back for Wayne Grove. But but that's yes. the thing. Even just having this conversation is fucking awesome. Yes. Like what conversations like this uh, uh, is anyone going to have about insert bullshit current movie here? You know, like a <laughs> uh, uh, fucking Obi Wan Kenobi or, or you know. It's not even a movie. It's whatever. I think in that in that scene when um, when Neil comes back to the car and and then you know then he sees Al Pacino and he's got to run away. I think I think Al Pacino he's suspicious of that car because there's a woman mm. sitting in there and there's mayhem happening and she's not fleeing. Yes, so that's brilliant. that's why he is attracted I saw that to last that car. Night. Yeah, and 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 if she wasn't there, then he probably wouldn't have even spotted that car and. Neil could have got in it and, and escaped. So. It's just an empty car. No, yeah, yeah, you're right. Ricky's 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 right there. I, I I picked that up, but I didn't put I didn't join it the way he did. I did notice that detail. I was like, wow, that's so cool. That's that like just seeing her in a car with chaos all around. So, but still, you, you could make arguments for both moments. I mean, the 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 scene going through the tunnel, that white tunnel, just before he makes the decision to go to get to get Wayne Grove is pretty spectacular. Yep. And you see it on his face. He's just like he smiles for like two seconds. Yep. He's there. He's in paradise. And then he just he just dumps it and says, No, nah, this guy's gotta go. And 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 you know, he, he goes from the light to the dark. He 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 goes back out of the lit tunnel, takes a turn on like a dark freeway exit. It's it's Because it's it's revenge as well. It's not it's not it's not business no it doesn't make sense it's not it's yeah it's not a good decision it's an emotional decision and i feel like nate john voigt's character um you know because he's interesting uh you know see the the moment between him and neil when when neil's like you let chris leave and he's like you know it's free country brother Mm. that's the first time you see this little moment and then the second one is when he calls him even i quite like his code nate's code because he he could have not told him about wayne Grove. But, he, but said, he did. You ask, so I'll, I'll tell you. And and so he is sort of a bit like um, he 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 believes in self determination, people's self determination. So he's going to offer you 
He's going to do the thing that he said he was going to do. Mm. He's going to give you the information, even when it would have been, in both instances, he shouldn't have let Chris leave, and he should have not given given the information to Neil. Oh, really. with as great as everything is, that fucking hair on John Voight is the only thing I dislike about the whole <laughs> fucking movie. But I know it's based on a real guy. Okay, all right. Well, so you, you I know it's based on you, is it Mr. Brown from Eddie Bunker, yes. From yes. um Reservoir Dogs. That's right. That's right. But he just looks fucking ridiculous. He's an actual con. <laughs> of course that guy's gonna have a bad hair. He's a con. No, but like, it it, you know. it suits the real dude. It does not suit John Voigt at all. Like the real guy's like a lot smaller and kind of like a little bit scraggly and you go, Yeah, you would have that fucking hair with that handlebar mustache. It is weird hair. It reminds me of, of like of, of you know when people have got weird haircuts in movies like like uh, Anton Chigurh in in uh, No Country mm, or yeah. Oh, oh, Andy Dick in old school. <laughs> Remember the hair he's got in that? Because those two characters are like line ball with each other. That's what you're saying? Yes. Yeah. yeah so I'm just saying yeah. weird haircuts prevail in the end. All right. Hey, come on. Are you going to do this? We're going to do Who's Your Daddy or what? Now we're going to do something extremely fun. We're going to play a wonderful game called Who is My Daddy and What Does He Do? All right, so, of course, this time around, we've got Vincent Hanna and Neil McCauley. Mm -hmm. So, Lieutenant Vincent Hanna, pros, great detective, good stepdad, as so, he, you know, in that first scene, in the scene where, um, you know, there's a small scene where Natalie Portman is kind of on the side of the road, he rocks up, he said, you know, oh, did your dad not come? And it's like, oh, yeah, he forgot or something, he picks her up. He's, like, really sweet and caring with her. Yes. Um, handy with guns, honourable. He says what he means and he does what he says. Uh, yes. Dedicated, very dedicated. Cons, he goes crazy over asses. When he thinks about him, something comes out of him. So do I. Uh, working on his third ex-wife. Uh, so, you know, you, uh, God knows what the family of step and former step mothers, sisters, brothers is like that. It's, um, it's messy. And also he's not, he's not probably staying with your family anytime soon. At the beginning, he seems like he's got money. So he seems like he's, is, you know, doing well in this cool house and all the rest of it. But we later find out that all he seems to have to his name is a shitty television set, which doesn't even make it to the end of the movie. <laughs> and um you know he's uh he's never going to be home he's you know he, he goes to that shitty club at 2 a.m to meet a ci with nothing for him and uh he's fucking obsessive so that could definitely be a con it's tricky it is uh neil mccauley pro capable driven disciplined dangerous which for a dad that's uh, you, you kind of want your dad to be dangerous Definitely. You know, uh, he's cashed up, so he's got an amazing apartment. He said he offered to uh, completely support um, Val Kilmer's wife if Val kept fucking up. He said, I'll take care of you, no mm -hmm. problem. Uh, yeah, it seems like he's got a, a huge amount uh, in the bank. 
Uh, and he needs no furniture. No furniture, but that's he, he's efficient. <laughs> okay, he's efficient. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Uh, and he's very honourable in his own way. So he's got a he's got a code. He's he you know he doesn't do things for no reason. He he's he's got a good you know uh, sense of right and wrong. I guess despite the fact that he's a criminal and murderer. Um, <clears throat> Con's obsessive. So as we've already discussed, he's not he's not letting things go. He's never letting anything go. I mean, if he'd just let Wayne Grow go, he would have sailed off into the sunset. So if you break any of his shit, you're never going to forget about it. Like, you know, <laughs> he'll be bringing that shit up on his fucking deathbed. Like nothing's, nothing's, yeah, he's not going let to let it any go. Um, you know, he's, he's very, very cold as also, you know, shown in that apartment. Um, you know, he's, he's almost like a, a criminal version of a monk. Uh, so if you want any, you know, warmth or kindness or support from your dad, you ain't fucking getting it from him. And um, all that money he's got, he's not fucking spending it on you. I mean, again, he's not even spending it on a couch or a bed. You're not getting fucking any of it. So, you know, don't know if that's <laughs> worth anything to you. And, um, you know, like every now and again, like a kid that you know or, or someone you know that when they were a kid has got that story about, oh, yeah, there was this one time where my parents forgot me at, at the supermarket or some shit. Uh, with him, you'd be getting left anywhere and everywhere and all the fucking time. <laughs> he, he, he thinks he sees something in the corner. He's fucking walking away. You're making your own way back home if you ever make it home. It's so I love the idea that that this idea of seeing the heat around the corner like it happens to him all the time like like you're just at the shops and he's like oh the heat's around the corner I gotta go and yeah. he just walks away. He doesn't pay for his groceries. You're, you're having that Amy Brenneman scene all the time. Yeah, well, I mean, because yeah. he'd he'd constantly have his head on a swivel because he's that dedicated and aware and yes. capable and shit. And uh, you know they can't all be hits. He can't get it right a hundred percent of the time. Mm, that's tricky. You'd um, you know, you'd kind of be a latchkey kid with him. You'd have to be, and you'd have to, you know. And this was the days before fucking Ubers or anything like that, or mobile phones or anything. Mm. It's um, yeah. I mean, yeah. and that's the thing. He, he might leave you somewhere and end up in a different fucking country. You know, he's not necessarily coming home either. Okay. Well, this is very tricky. I I think I'd have to pick Vincent just based on on that 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 neil would 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 have to drop you and leave at, at, at least at vincent notice. would be a decent dad and actually care about you well neil would be good if you could tell me that he was because if he's going to do the wayne grow thing then this isn't going to work mm. you know like he's going to if, he, if he's going to stick around i could maybe put up with some of the other stuff but you know because i mean is vincent going to hang around like he's going to have to he's going to they're not together at the end of the movie so it's gonna leave me again. Yep, all alone, and then then I'll just be alone. Well, that's the so thing. It's two sides of the same coin. Yeah, I think any decision is the same decision. <laughs> <laughs> For me, because I, I kind of thought about this a bit, I would take Vincent when I'm younger and Macaulay when I'm older. Yes, because Vincent is caring. Uh, he cares about the innocent and the helpless, and he makes time for yes. them. Yes. And he attends to them and he cares for them and he, he shows them warmth. But after you, yes. uh, it seems like after you get to a certain age, like his wife, you're second place. You're running That's second true. place. Mm-hmm. With uh, Macaulay, once you get old enough and capable enough, you're probably joining the crew. And true. if that yeah. sort of thing floats your boat, 
you're getting that action, you're getting that money, and he'd take you with him. If you're part of the crew, you're going with him, and he's gonna, he, yeah. he, you know, he'll he'll accommodate you, he'll give you one out as well. He'll, you know, there'll mm. be a plan to get back together. Yeah, but you do have to pull off terrifying heists where. You have to you have to nail cops and civilians, and we don't even talk about that. Oh yeah, you'd have to be okay with just murdering anyone at a moment's notice. Like those those guys kill a bunch of people. They kill Bosco, so mm. Ted, Ted Levine. He's the only guy we know properly uh, that they kill. But there's a bunch of people that go down. Bunch of cops, and I think at least a couple of civilians. The security mm. guards at at the at the very beginning. Like, as soon as Wangro oh, kills one, yeah. the other two are fucking dead. And that, yes. th- and from the first time I saw that movie, that third guy breaks my fucking heart. He looks so like this pathetic. out of shape. And he just kind of, he's so, yeah, and he's so Bro, shot. wandering. And he, he kind of stumbles forward towards the gun. He's so, he's so terrified and doesn't know what to do. He walks forward into the man with the gun who then executes Get him cold blooded style. Get out! Hey, Slick, you see that shit coming out of their ears? They can't fucking hear you. Cool it! I got it! I got it! Wanna fuck with me? Wanna fuck with me? Great. Well, to cap it off, yeah, I'll go with Vincent. <laughs> <laughs> One for Vincent, Ricky. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm going for Vincent, Vincent. as well. Yeah. Ah, I think it's I think this might be the first time we've uh, we've had you guys line up. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll go with him. I, I, it was the scene with the prostitute's mum that got me this time. So you're right. He, mm. he, he, he did. He's he's caring. Yeah, mad, but whatever. Mm. You you mentioned that that uh, that famous shootout scene after the bank heist. Uh, what's interesting about that is that um, rather than dubbing gunshots in that scene, uh, they used the location sound that uh, apparently they went to some effort to to place microphones around the place uh, so that they could capture that audio live because the, the, the acoustic setup in amongst those high-rise buildings was just uh, just a sound uh, of a gunfight that, that you've never heard in cinema No, I've never heard anything like it before. Like it's, it's 100% unique. It, yeah. it, it sounds terrifying and, 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 and arguably, you know, realistic because, you know, they're, they're capturing real gunshots on, mm. on real locations. So um, that, that's a really interesting scene and I think the sound of it is something that makes it terrifying.
actually remember, I don't know if it was on a making of or director's commentary or something, but apparently the um, sound designers actually went through and replaced all of it and did the usual thing of replacing every single gunshot. Yeah. Yeah. And then Michael Mann went in and said, what the hell is this? Yeah. Put the other stuff, put it all back. Bacow, this is this is nothing. Bacow. Yeah. And it's actually one of my favorite things about um, Miami Vice, which is a much, much lesser version of this movie. But again, the gunfight and the sound of the gunfight in that movie to mm. me reminded me of the uh, of the kind of the gunshots you hear from uh, when they do in the field reports from They're a dull. from a conflict from like a war a real war conflict. Yeah. Yes, yeah. And you kind They're of dull and terrifying in a different way. Yeah, mm. yeah. Like thudding, thudding, sort of clack, clack, clack. Yeah. In, and ringing out in because it's open they're, they're in the open in, in yeah in, so it's not areas. reverberating like in between the buildings like in this one it's it's yeah, yeah. it's it's an open field but you've seen it on on sort of uh now you see it on video on on like twitter videos or mm. tiktok videos yeah, yeah. Or like, you hear these sorts of you know gunshots near my home sort of sound yes and you go, oh god mm. well i mean to me it, it used to be like you know the 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 reporter the the war correspondent you know on site with like someone firing a few meters behind him Yes. And um, also about that gunshot, there, there was that shot where Val Kilmer changes the mag to his gun. Mm. Apparently, they used to show that to, um, like, uh, you know, high-end military personnel uh, in their training and said, if this fucking actor can do it that quick, you better be doing it quicker than him. Because apparently, that's such an awesome, like, such a quick and correct way to change the mag on a gun. Yep. Because... Um, as I'm sure both you guys kind of found out, they spent so much time doing proper weapons training. Yes. Like mm. to Three the point so. where, yeah. Um, so it was second nature to them. So it was, yeah, yeah authentic. We could just see the way the way they hold themselves in the gunfight, the, the way they handle the weapons, yep. the way they move. Um, you know, they've just, they've had that training. But what I love, it, it feeds the story as well. So what, what what's so great about it is, you know, there's in the there's no it's it seems so realistic because the moment chris sees the cops he starts firing immediately mm. and and full auto just a like 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 it's not it's those decisions like like you know you have to think that even though it was probably in the script but still after having gone through everything they've gone through you, you do you do it you're doing the job you know what you're doing you know what you, the stakes are it's it's all on audio on on auto so basically you see the cops. The only way out is to start firing immediately. Like it's not like this. This sort of getting behind the car and thinking about it. It's just like no, no, no. It's on. Or, or there's there's no dramatic moment with a pause and some slow mo and a bass hit of like boom, and the camera right. zooming in and into his eyes and you see man like the gun comes up in no, no, no. Just the same shot where he's he's smiling because he's just about to get in the car and get away. Looks up, split second, recognizes cops straight away, guns up, firing. Like you mm, said, full yes. auto. It, it's a bit. It is a bit more like, um, uh, almost like security cam footage. You know, you're actually witnessing mm. the real, the real thing. Because there's, there's none of that. There's no slow motion. There's no panning to anyone's faces. There's no, uh, it, you know, it's just all. The only time we get a taste of that is is when Hannah has to shoot Michael. When he yes, has to shoot yeah, Tom yes. it slows down, and we have this sort of more classic moment uh but everything before that yeah it does feel so real and and jagged and and just watching them 
you know, cover each other and, and, and endlessly fire those rounds is just mesmerizing, mm. you know, and it's the cops are just totally well outgunned. They are guns, mm. totally, absolutely. Is Chris the only one that gets away? Because you don't really find out what, what happens to him other than he just disappears. No, yeah, yeah, he is. He's the only one that makes the it. The last shot of him, he looks pretty bereft. Because it, I mean, that's the thing about this movie. This movie's a fucking, it's a bummer. Yeah, it's, it's a, a tragedy. This movie is an absolute tragedy. Nobody gets what they want. Everybody experiences deep loss. So right from the wheel, obviously, you know, if they didn't die like Dennis Hayes, but the wheel man, his wife experiences the loss of, of having to watch him go. A lot of people get that. Um, Chris, I feel like, you know, he realized too late what was most important to him and he'll never get it. Yep. He'll never, he'll never get it. So at the gambling's not important, all that crap, whatever he was after. Uh, when he turns up and he's injured, he looks up to her. In that moment, you're like, "Oh wow, he is reformed. Like he he just wants his wife and 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 kid." And and she does that move, and he go, "Wow!" So he he'll never ever be able to see her again. It's over, you know. I mean, and it go all the way up to the top to to Hannah, who um, you know, he says, "All I'm about is is who I'm chasing," and he res- not, And the worst part of that is he he admires the guy. And he and he has to hold him while he leaves this world, you know what I mean. And and so two men who could be could be friends and colleagues, perhaps. So uh, it's it's a it's an it's a it's a a, a Titanic tragedy, and, and and I think maybe people don't talk about that enough. Like we, we do, we've talked about the gritty reality and and all the verisimilitude and all the things they've done to to make it seem real, the locations. But I think the that we've buried the lead because it's a movie and we've we've it's gotten us talking about some pretty big themes that's the point this movie has done all of that to so we can start talking about the you know um these two these two men and what it, and well everyone else but what it means you know to 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 uh live a a, a good life what does what does it mean to to do right, to do wrong. What does it mean to follow the law, to not follow the law? You know, why is Van Zant uh, a, you know, why is it okay for him to be uh, a criminal really until he gets killed? He, he's a white collar criminal, right? Mm. Like, is it, like essentially, he's lauded and, and cloistered away and it's fine. But, you know, if you're like the guys we know, Michael and Chris and Trey or whatever, like, you know, they, you know, it's uh, they're cut out of that life. Mm. So I don't know. Like I feel like at the end, it's it's about it's about big stuff. Like you know, and it's tragic and human and not ideological. And you're right. It like the end is operatic. Um, yes. But the whole movie and and I, up up until that scene, I think the whole movie is ruthlessly efficient. Even though there's two and a half hours of it. Like even when you said when Chris sees his wife and she does the most subtle hand gesture and his life is over. Like, and his reaction isn't big, it's subtle. And he kind of turns to ask for bullshit direction so he can get out of there. Like everything is so goddamn efficient and to the point there's no fat, but it all builds up to that final operatic scene where you're finally allowed to have slow-mo and and cinematic lighting and big lights lights, you know like yeah and and the track called (laughs) god moving over the face of the water you know and and that holding on that shot of those you know two men holding hands with each other and where are they they're at they're at an airport you Mm. know and there's something 
you know you can you can take it however you like but it's something about you know soul your soul nil soul leaving you know yeah. like you know through the air like it's it's and and airports are about you know like we've talked about jg ballard before uh they're strange it's a strange you know place alien world but to, to place between places in in you know and so i don't know this is big stuff and and it was and it was it's a delight and and i feel like the the ability to 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 tell to have compassion for all of these characters and you know, going back to that point i made about it being produced by michael mann and art linson and him making a big deal michael mann making a big deal of retaining the rights so that you know i mean this is basically finance he got the financing up because He's able to make all of the decisions that we we've talked about tonight. All of the stuff we've talked about has come from him. Compare that now. I know I rag on Marvel, but the reason I rag on Marvel and Disney is because their setup is a corporate video, and they're, the directors like Edgar Wright, who left Ant Man, left because of they weren't allowed to be directors. They were told essentially that they wanted to they that they had to follow the to, they they want like you to be a little bit creative. They don't want you to do to be authorial. They don't want you to like, you know, really be particular. They they want you to to just um, you know, get it done and put a little bit of flair here and there, you know. Whereas Michael Mann is he is uh on this movie totally inappropriately obsessed with everything mm-hmm. about it and in a way that comes from being a megalomaniacal uh director, a professional who's already done a bunch of stuff and is and is at the point where he's like no 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 I'm, i want like he's unreasonable he's like i want you to train for three months with guns so i can you know so you can look like you know what you're doing i want you to you know i want you to find we're not going to have one single location it's all going to be on location i don't want to have seen any of it on screen before or i'm going to hang out with thieves and 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 cops and talk to them about stuff. And we're going to get everyone to write bios and all this stuff. I mean, this is just like, you know, all of the creative stuff we've talked about tonight is, is a product of this, this process. And we're being robbed of that. Well, and, and I think um, it, it's almost like they're, they're, they're starting at one end and working towards the other, like in opposites to each other. Because I've heard that Marvel actually does uh, like these pre uh, pre-shoot animatics for the final battle before the script's even been written let alone before a director gets come on board it's like the the battles the fight scenes the big cg fight scenes they're all set before any of the storytelling is done and and who writes those a committee i don't know no it's so it's it's certainly not these directors that are quitting left right and center so the movie serves so that all Marvel movies, it seems like, uh, are just a delivery device for a CG action scene. Whereas the action mm. scenes in, in this movie all serve to get to that moment of two men holding hands. Yeah, that's right. And but none of the stuff that we that we liked would be in in the Disney or Marvel movie. None of the stuff. Like like they wouldn't cast someone gross like Wayne Grow. They wouldn't have the women be exactly who they would be in real life like like you know the all the women in this movie are yeah the type of women who who go out or are married to obsessive um cops or 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 or, or criminals mm. you wouldn't see consequences to anything either yeah well that's right but there wouldn't be ambiguity as well like like like, like there are it's amb- you're ambivalent about stuff 
Like you're not like they're a good thing, you know. They everyone does good and bad stuff. We see the criminals all together and the cops together with their families, mm. you know. And we're not judging everyone all the time. We're not going, oh yes, he's the white supremacist, <laughs> you know. And there's an actual white supremacist in this movie. Like that's there the difference. Is, yeah. Not not in the way that so modern people think that Spotify or Penguin Publishing are filled with white supremacists or something, you know. Like no, he, it's Wayne Gray is about the only black and white character. In the whole thing, he's yes. just oh, and the guy who works at the at the uh, the wheelman's cafe. Oh yeah, oh boss, yeah, that yeah. boss. But um, I, you know, but the thing is, is like, all right, so he owns a diner. He's not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Know, he's not a killer. He's not a killer. But Wayne, Wayne grows a piece. Even with Van Sant, like I feel really bad for him at the end when yes. he's like sleeping in he's his office, his and then you know Macaulay comes up, breaks his window, and he's like terrified, and he goes, "Where's Where's Wayne Gring? Is how the hell should I know?" Just before getting shot. You even did the voice breaking. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a breathless, like, how the hell should I know? Like, like the, the, Wayne Gray's death's terrifying as well. Yeah. So, so, yeah, so yeah, the, yeah. getting get him, yeah, yeah, look at yeah. me and stuff. Like, like there's, there's some stuff in this that just, just is, is, you know, you wouldn't think that, that, uh, that would, you know, I mean, yeah, I don't know what to say. But I, I, again, it's, it's these details and, and to, again, differentiate from Marvel. So, you know, Chris Hemsworth has gone on his biggest steroid cycle to date, uh, but, I, th- you know, to for the, this latest Thor one, and it seems like it's all for that one scene where his clothes get blown off that's in all the trailers now and that people take still frames off. Does, does Natalie <laughs> okay. Portman get ripped for that? That's CG. The women don't have to do anything. They can get it CG'd. Um, Okay. Uh, mind you, she had a she had a time with um, Black Swan. Do you know no one had to be ripped in this movie? In but that's mm. the thing. So they went through three months of training for arms training. So you didn't notice their how skilled they were with. Do you know what I mean? So mm. so it served yeah. their goddamn character, not yeah. so they could you know not so it could be a scene about them shooting. It's 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 kind yeah. of just starting at the opposite end and going back in the other direction. Who's up for trivia? Hit me. So, uh, initially, Keanu Reeves was offered the role of Chris Cirillus, uh, which he turned down Jesus Christ. in favour of playing Hamlet uh, at the Manitoba Theatre. As a result, Val Kilmer was given the role. That would have, If Keanu Reeves was in this movie, that would have been uh, a disaster. <laughs> you, you don't think he would have brought it? Like this is point, no, point break, no. point break days. No. I, I think I think maybe Michael Mann would have. I think Michael Mann would have um, done brought brought yeah. the magic. Well, I mean, since when the fuck was Amy Brenneman a good actress? Yeah, well, you know, I don't know. She's ticking the boxes. But that's the thing; she's perfect in this. Yes. Mm. All right. Okay. So well, may, maybe, maybe. Yeah, it's it's hard to know, but but I think Val Kilmer w- w- was a stronger choice. Mm. Uh, Man, Michael Mann noted it would be impossible to film the airport climax in the same way following the events of 9-11, which yep. is true. I don't think you could film on location at an airport like that ever again, no. anywhere. I mean, uh, ma- maybe okay. maybe in a third world country somewhere, but not. I think all plane shots these days are stock footage. I don't, I don't think they're, they're doing those plane taking off or landing shots mm. anymore. So, yeah, to make the long shootout uh, more realistic, they hired British ex-Special Air Force Sergeant Andy McNabb as a technical weapons trainer and advisor. He designed a weapons training curriculum to train the actors for three months using live ammunition before shooting with blanks for the actual take and worked uh, with training them for the bank robbery as well. 
Um, I love that because he is. A, that's a name you heard a lot in the nineties. Andy McNabb, you it? know, like like that's yeah, it is. Like he was a he wrote like a SAS sort of expose book, right? A, 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 that was a whole genre. I think he mm. started that whole genre, and so just hearing him in the background, that's perfect. That's just like yeah, you just go oh wow, like mm. you know, it's not just no, no one. It's it's Andy McNabb. Uh, So Heat was released on VHS in June 1996. Due to its running time, the film had to be released on two video cassettes. Not here. So, not here? No. I don't know because I got it out as a new release. Right. Well, I don't know. Panned and scanned. So, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's different in the US. Yeah, I I remember getting it out and... And it was, yeah, I, I never remember two two cassettes. Mm, okay. Maybe my tri- trivia guy's lying to me. So, uh, Pacino revealed that for the scene in the restaurant between Hannah and Macaulay, Robert De Niro felt that the scene should not be rehearsed so that the un... I thought you were un- going to say, I thought you were going to say, sorry, I thought you were going to say he revealed that Robert De Niro had his hand on his leg throughout <laughs> <laughs> the whole scene. I honestly thought that's what you were going to say. He revealed that Robert De Niro had his... <laughs> and on his leg, I was stroking it, like ju- suggestively. That would be amazing. It really put him off. It really put him off, and he'll never walk with him again. <laughs> <laughs> or just Hashtag halfway, me too. halfway through take seven, he just pulled it out. Yeah, well, he should have. He should have. Uh, where was I? So he wanted to capture the unfamiliarity between the two characters, so it would seem more genu- genuine. So there was no rehearsals uh, for that particular scene. No rehearsals together. Together, yes. Yeah. yeah, sure. Yeah. They they apparently rehearsed their lines kind of separate from each other, so they knew yes. all this shit. Yeah, and then yeah, when they yeah. came together, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Amy uh, Brenneman disliked the script and didn't want to be in the movie, saying it was too filled with blood and no morality. Michael Mann told her that with that mindset, she would be perfect for the role of Edie. And who would have thought that Amy Brenneman's mindset uh, would be would win out in the end, and that she would that would be the people who make movies now? Yeah. And you know now we don't get heat, and we get whatever yeah. Amy Brenneman wanted to make. So, well, not even that because she's a, a rich white woman. So she won, and we all lost. Is that what you're saying? Yes, that's right. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, Al Pacino had a full facelift before filming began. Mm. He does look like he's had one. Yeah, he does, doesn't he? He mm. looks very fresh-faced in this. While rehearsing, uh, sorry, while researching her role, Ashley Judd met several former prostitutes who became housewives. I never got that she was a former prostitute. Yeah, well, they said that she she was in juvie and stuff, mm. right? Yeah, you know, because you've been yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. says. So Mel Gibson and Harrison Ford were considered for the lead roles of Vincent Hanna and Neil Macaulay. So, something would have happened. Yeah. I mean, it wouldn't be this, but it would something. I, yeah. much prefer, I much prefer these two guys. Yeah, of course you do. <laughs> but I'm saying, like, if if you ha- if it had to be Mel, it would be... Would, and and it's you know, those two right. guys are in uh, sort of in their prime. Maybe, yeah. oh, maybe not Harrison Ford, but still well, close to... I also to. just... I don't believe that... Because apparently Harrison Ford was notorious for just, like, trying to push directors around and rewriting movies and shit. Didn't he write the rewrite yes. the end of Witness and gave himself a big monologue? Um, it's a good movie. Whatever happened, <laughs> maybe he was right. Anyway, uh, according to Val Kilmer's autobiography, his agent tried to convince him not to act in this film because he wouldn't be paid what his stardom was worth by the budget, uh, especially while filming, uh, especially because he was filming Batman Forever, sort of at that oh, same right, time. Right. 
which was the highest grossing live action film of that year. However, Kilmer insisted on taking the role and asked Michael Mann to compensate him by putting his face on the film's poster sandwiched between Al Pacino and Robert De Niro. I do remember, you know, at the time and since that Val Kilmer, I was confused by his, his mm. how big he was. In, in the poster. And how, no, by no, well, actually, well, obviously I was a big fan of, 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 you know, I was all about Batman Forever and all that shit. So Val Kilmer was a, was a presence, right? Yeah. And I always thought he was, he, he always seemed really, he, and at the time he was everywhere. Yeah. He'd done the doors, he was big. And then he did this movie where he was, he, he wasn't, he was second string, you know? Yeah. And that really was really, I didn't know how to take it. I mean, now I love it, but I, at the time I was a bit confused. Mm. It, it actually kind of used to make sense to me because I, I thought, see, he, he was huge, but he was kind of on the rise. And yes. he was, but he was still no Pacino and, and he was still no De Niro. So it almost kind of seemed like they were doing a bit of a passing of the torch thing. Well, I'll tell you what, there's stacks of trivia out there about this movie because, you know, it's so well loved and <laughs> it's got such <laughs> a right, huge back backstory to the production and, and, you know, a lot of the characters are based on real ones. So, yeah. you know, you could spend and all, all that stuff about him stuff. touching his leg was pretty... <laughs> that, was, that was tough to hear. So anyway, it's time for Locker Room Talk. Uh, just to, very quickly, uh, not a lot tonight. I mean, again, a bit like the trivia. We could, I could go on all night, really. So just a couple of little things. Firstly... Just a small thing. There's no reason why this movie um, should be so aggressively focused on the male experience. Competence, complex challenges, researching for a task, flexing, dominance over other males. It's basically a how-to manual of toxicity, I say. And the same goes for casting. You, you, You may have seen two of the greatest actors of all time surrounded by expert character actors. I saw cis white male patriarchy. Think of the strong women who didn't get to tell their stories because this movie was made. There's no reason why we couldn't see this movie made now with Sandra Bullock and Kate Winslet. Or or maybe we could get Lizzo in her first acting role alongside Felicity Huffman or Helen Mirren. Uh, that's what people want to see. That's what people want. It's time for these men to lean out of these movies. Uh, will it make any money or cater to the intended audience? Probably not. But... It just feels right. So, so Helen Mirren that. would play Al Pacino's character, and is that how that um, would go? Well, wait. Your, what do you want to happen? <laughs> I, I think Helen Mirren would play John Voight's character. <laughs> no, no, no. You've you've got it wrong. She's an old lady, and you've got to get old ladies and fat women and stuff to play the main. No, but who who were the other two that you mentioned? A Bullock and Winslet. Yeah, so they'd be Pacino and Dinner. Oh, Winslet, Blanchett as well, maybe. And and Lizzo would be um, Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer. Yeah. yeah, definitely. No, and you've got to have big fat people like her um, running around <laughs> <laughs> shooting guns and making it look like they're athletes. As well. And you go, wow, none of this would That's happen. the new fit. That, that's, it is. Yeah. Fat is the new fit. Yeah. It is. So next up, just one last little thing. Now- I don't know if you got this, but the most upsetting aspect of this film is the supreme copaganda, okay? Here, we have the glorification of the police department, which, as we know, is unnecessary and corrupt, and merely a white supremacist organization. I know you'll say that Hannah's team had a black detective along with a Native American. These men, unfortunately, are simply white-adjacent racists. So, uh, this movie glorifies catching the bad guys, whatever that means, punishing crime, 
and the police protecting the public from criminals or something like that. Neil's crew and Wayne Grove are simply products of society. They've been ushered into this life by the system. Maybe this movie should have been about abolishing the police. And then, after it's abolished, through peaceful protest, the community can just police itself through a range of arts and crafts and and a community garden space. And if you're willing to let a few sexual assaults and violent murders get in the way of this utopia, well, then I say, fuck you, sir. Okay? (laughs) Sounds like utopia to me. So, that's propaganda. So, because it's the thing, like, the the whole paradigm shifted now. The people from Brooklyn Nine-Nine were apologizing after yes, George Floyd. Yes, they were. Like, you're, you're not making heat. You're not even making Brooklyn Nine-Nine. <laughs> like, you, people were like, people were saying, and they're still saying it. Some people are hanging on. They're saying mad shit. They're saying, you know, we don't need the cops. Like, yes, we, we need the cops. And um, we need them. And this movie, but this the great thing about this movie is it's a, you know, that, that that's what I felt. You you can't tell this this story anymore of of cops and robbers. Like people would be, they'd be like, you know, they'd be obsessed with the races of everyone. They'd be like, okay, now can't everyone be black? Or can't no can't can't no one be white? Or can't no one be, you know? And you go, all right, so we'll, we'll follow. And then you've got to then you've got to get involved in their, um, their, uh the magic game they play where they just where, where you've got to go okay so and then it, then you don't then all that verisimilitude dra- drains <laughs> drains away you know so because you've got like you've got um in this case you, you would have people not statistically represented at all in anything doing stuff like you would have you know and then it would it would just look like uh and sometimes it doesn't matter obviously it doesn't fast things used it doesn't really matter it doesn't matter it's not trying to be real it's not it's trying to be you know something else whereas here it matters who goes to prison and it matters who is you know we feel for them all these people you know and actually i thought this movie was a was did you find again i don't know why america has forgotten this i looked at it and i went oh wow isn't america great isn't it isn't it isn't it great to be all of these doesn't matter whether you're you know, from Mexico or, or you know, yeah, you're black, you're white, you're Asian, it doesn't matter, you're American. No one's race enters into any of it. No. Mm. Whereas now, that's all it would be. Yeah. And, and why know? isn't Vincent's wife a beautiful, why is Vincent's wife not a beautiful trans woman? <laughs> well, gee, that, I didn't even think about you know? that. I'm so glad you brought that uh, up. And when, when is Natalie Portman going to get her transition drugs? Well, no, it, it, it would be, well, that's right. It, his, you know... The fact that, that there's no LGBT stuff in this at all, like uh, like, and that's I wish I could go back in time to 1995 and just tell Michael Mann and say, oh, by the way, like in you know 25 years when like um this is the stuff that like here's an actual document from the, the Academy Awards and now he'll read it and he'll go he'll go what the fuck is a Latinx and I'll <laughs> yeah. go it's some new thing you know that Steven Spielberg is really worried about and then then and then he'll be like. What the fuck is a is, is a is a QI plus? What are they? And I go, you, you're not ready for them. I've never <laughs> seen one really. And, and 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 like so, he, and I'd be like, if you don't make Vincent queer, then you're a bigot. And he'd be like, 
I don't understand any of the words <laughs> you're saying. None of like, is this another language, an actual alien language? And you'd say yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> but it, 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 it's a. Uh, we're on a completely different planet from 1995, aren't we? Well, yeah. we are, and I'm. A, and, and look, I, I'm. You know, I'm accepting that. But at least we have heat, and we can we can still be inspired by it. And I'm so glad. The what's made my day is a bit of a rough day. I I loved the story of of you and your wife sitting up talking about heat. That's yeah, made my that day. Yeah, and you know I I've got another note because um, I've actually only got half a page of notes because I started writing and I got to um, that first scene of dialogue and then I I put the pen down and I just watched the rest of the fucking movie without doing anything else even though I know this movie so well. I I knew ahead of time when they were going to mix between a line on set and an ADR line and how that sound how it was going to sound different and then when and when they were going to come back. Yeah, like when when he gets in the back of the ambulance he goes, "Stupid dumb motherfucker." Yeah, or like, like a, um I remembered it in the middle of the scene but I couldn't like I think it's when um he sees uh, uh Val Kilmer at his house and I think he's actually on screen and they've actually even though De Niro's on screen they've like half of his sentence is dubbed like within the scene I, I knew it was coming up so I know this movie so fucking well but I still put the fucking pen down and just got completely immersed in the world again and yet the only other notes I had was from you know my wife talking to me about it afterwards and it was you know uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, she was <laughs> Vincent, Vincent. What some <laughs> no, she, um, no, no trans stuff, and, and, a, and, a, and, a, and a smile, a frown, a frown next to it. Like, she, no, she really said uh, she was on the edge of her seat and couldn't look away, even though she couldn't actually remember the action scenes. All of that was from uh, all the um, dialogue scenes and all the relationships within the movie. Well, we can't top that. I think that's that's. I want to go out on that. I want everyone to watch this movie and keep talking about it. And never stop talking about it, in fact. And, you know, uh, and yeah. So that's that's heat. What's up next? Well, I'll look, I would, I'm not going to go through the usual rigmarole. Normally give you, you know, some, some questions. But I feel like you guys had a bit of, he- a bit of heat uh, with a film that came up twice in, in them. Oh, I mentioned one. What do you think we do? Uh, Enter the Dragon. Sounds good. It's been a while. I haven't seen it in a while. Um, give us a good chance to dip into Asia, <laughs> you know, <laughs> which will be good, you know. I, I don't know why, but good. somehow that's racist. Well, it is. Well, firstly, Asian people don't count. So that's what you need no, to only at Har- Only at Harvard. Well, they just don't count. Asian people and Jewish people don't count on the left. Um, no, no. So they, they count if you want to wear uh, an Asian-inspired dress to your ball uh, or prom. Yes. Mm. Yes, that's terrible. But you can't, you can't get into my Ivy League. I think we should wear kimonos in next time <laughs> when we do Enter the Dragon. We should just wear, particularly because it's nothing to do with Japan. Yes. Like, like it just has to just, be yeah. somewhere in yeah. that in the in Asia the sphere. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Well, that's what we're gonna do. It's been a pleasure. Um, I don't know. We said what we said. Oh, wasn't it? Don't be a pussy. We'll do it officially. Okay. Uh, until next time. Don't be a pussy. Don't be a pussy. Huh? <laughs> <laughs>